Hey guys, welcome back to the podcast. Uh, back to back, right after Ferris Bueller's Day Off, we have Perks of Being a Wallflower, which is another angsty teen movie, but it's filmed in a different decade. So, uh, it takes place in the 90s. I've read the book, the book is awesome. Uh, but I have to talk about the movie, because, you know, that's uh, what this whole podcast is about movies. Um, I put this movie in my SRI, uh, the research for this project. And I talked about, like, the influence that it may have on teenagers who are feeling the same thing. And, uh, as a teenager who has felt the same thing, I feel as though I am qualified to talk about this movie. So, if you're not into sad movies, you're probably not gonna like this, uh, episode of the podcast. because uh, this movie is a bummer. Uh, so, get ready for that. And then the movie after this is called Archie's Final Project. I decided to do that movie because I've watched it like three times and I really like it. And uh, it's about this kid, right? In his final project, like his senior project in high school, is making a movie. Which, uh, you know, is kind of, you know, (laughs) I wonder where I've heard that before. And then at the end of his movie, he plans on killing himself on camera and submitting that as his final project. Um... The movie, he doesn't end up killing himself, spoiler alert, but I just, uh, I feel like it's a good movie to talk about, uh, for a movie podcast, because, you know, the kid makes movies, and it has a message about not killing yourself. Um, so, yeah, these next two podcasts are going to be pretty, uh, dark, so if you're not into that, skip this one and skip the next one, because they're all about teen suicide. (laughs) Because uh, that's what I wrote my SRI about. Movies that have an impact. And most movies impact teenagers to kill themselves. So, welcome to the depressing episode of the podcast, everybody. Let's dive in. Um, so, Perks of Being a Wallflower, as I said, it takes place in the early 90s. And it's about this kid, Charlie. And he's going into high school, from middle school. And uh, in middle school, he had this friend, Michael, who shot himself. Um, but we don't find that out until he starts trauma dumping at a party because he ate a pot brownie. Uh, so Michael killed himself, and Charlie, his therapist, told him to start writing letters to anybody, just to, you know, vent. So, uh, he writes letters to his friend. It's anonymous. We don't know who it is. I have a feeling it's Michael, but that's just me. So, he is writing these letters. He has no friends. He doesn't really go out, and he's just always been, like, a people watcher. Uh... And the first person that he really, like, meets in high school is his teacher, Bill, uh, his English teacher. And this guy notices that Charlie is a good reader and more of an observer, so he gives him a ton of books as, like, homework, and he's supposed to read them, so Charlie does that, and he loves it. And, uh, he catches his sister and her boyfriend in a room together, and the boyfriend beats his sister, and he sees it, and she's like, don't tell mom! So he goes and tells his English teacher, because that's the only, like, trusted adult in his life. And the English teacher says that, uh, because he asks, like, why is my sister letting this guy beat her up? And he said that we accept the love we think we deserve. So, uh, I think that's a pretty heavy quote for a pretty heavy movie, so we're starting off heavy, guys. Um, I I really doubt anybody's going to listen to this podcast or, you know most of them for that matter. I think people click on the first one and uh, call it a day. But yeah, so this this podcast is pretty dark, man. It's, it's the sad one. 
Uh, so moving on, uh, the teacher calls home and tells his parents that his sister is getting beat, and they obviously don't let her hang out with this kid anymore. And she goes up to Charlie, and she tells him that she hates him, and that he's like a loser, and he's a freak, and he says that he's trying to be better. So that's pretty, uh, pretty sad. Um, and after that, he decides to be better. So he goes to the homecoming football game, or I don't know if it was the homecoming game, but it was a football game at the beginning of the school year, so it was one of them. And he meets this kid from his shop class, Patrick. And Patrick uh, said, he made a joke, I think his freshman year, and he said, hi, my name is nobody, or nothing. I think he said nothing. He said, hi, my name's nothing. And now everyone calls him nothing. So uh, he's in shop class making fun of the teacher, and the teacher calls him nothing. And Charlie just, like, kind of took that as, like, huh, this guy's weird, too. So he goes up to him at the football game, and he's sitting with his stepsister, Sam. And Sam, Charlie just, like, instantly falls in love with her. And they go to this, like, restaurant, or, like, diner afterwards called Big Boys. And, uh, they just all kind of become friends. And, uh, things are going well, I guess. Uh, they all do, like, the Rocky Horror Picture Show together, and Charlie watches. And... They invite him to another party, and I think this is the actual homecoming game, the after party. They go to that, and on the way there, they're driving through this tunnel, and it's um, it's Sam, Patrick, and Charlie all in Patrick's truck, and they're driving, and Heroes by Bowie comes on the radio, and they don't know that it's Heroes by Bowie, and they're like, wow, this song is awesome, turn it up. So Sam like is standing in the tunnel, and she's like, her hair's flowing, and Charlie's watching, and he's like, wow, this is crazy. And, um, he said that in that moment, they were infinite, and that's like a common theme in this movie. But, um, yeah, so they go to the party, and it's run by this guy, Bob, and Bob is a, like, crazy stoner, and he gives Charlie a weed brownie, because he thought it'd be funny. And Charlie gets really high, and he asks Sam to, ma- uh, Sam to make him a milkshake, because he's scared and hungry. And then he goes to find the bathroom, and he finds Patrick making out with the head of the football team, Brad, or the lead quarterback or something. I don't know. I don't play football. Uh, so they get caught making out, which means, you know, Patrick gets caught being gay, and Brad gets caught being gay. And Pat pulls him aside, and he's like, hey, man, can you keep this as a secret, like, you know, just between us? And he's like, yeah, whatever. And this is, like, the first instance of Charlie just being, like, a pushover and a therapist and, like, somebody that, like everyone pretends to care about, but nobody really, you know, whatever. So, he's friends with these guys for a while, he keeps watching them do the Rocky Horror, he learns more about all of them, he gets closer with Sam and Patrick, and Christmas time rolls around, and he's in a room with all of them doing Secret Santa, and he gets all of them gifts, which is another example of him being a really sad, like, pushover, and like a kid who just gets, like, walked on and is way too nice and way too easy. So he gets everybody gifts, even though it was Secret Santa, and things are kind of going well for him, and he gets Sam a really special gift. He had this aunt, uh, Aunt Helen, that he really loved, and she died on Christmas trying to get him his Christmas and his birthday present, because his birthday is the 24th, so she died in a car accident on the way to go get him his presents, and he said that he loved her because she was the only one that would get him a birthday and a Christmas present. And, um, 
she used to let him watch cartoons every Saturday, and they'd just hang out all the time, and they, like, you know, were, were cool with each other, I guess. Um, but yeah, so he gives Sam his aunt's copy of uh, something by the Beatles on, like, a 45, and it's really special to him, and it may seem lame to her, but, like, it really means a lot. And she's really touched by it, and he's like, I love you, Sam, and she's like, oh, you're too young. But she takes it well, he takes it well, whatever. And um, Sam gives Charlie a typewriter, and she said that because she knows that he wants to be a writer, she says to write about us. So, uh, moving on with this depressing-ass movie. Uh, uh, Charlie starts blaming himself for his aunt's death after he like really thinks about it. And he goes to a New Year's party with uh, all of his friends, because this whole movie is just about him going to parties with seniors. And at this New Year's party, he tries LSD, and he has a really bad trip, and he starts getting all like suicidal and miserable and depressed. And he starts shoveling the driveway, and then when that's not enough, he goes down and lays in the snow, and then they find him like half dead and frozen to death. Uh, and there's like just a bunch of filler in between then, you know, having fun, being teenagers, woo, partying, haha. And then him and Mary Elizabeth meet during like the Rocky Horror Picture Show. And Mary Elizabeth is like this punk, feminist, vegan, Buddhist, just like, you know, every everything that, you know, in the 90s would have been like outlandish, she was that. And uh, there was this dance where the girl had asked the guy, so she asks him, because, you know, he's easy and he's a pushover, and he says yes, because he's scared of her, and he's scared of hurting people, and she starts going out with him, and then she... It's not rape, but it's very rapey. They have sex in the movie, and he's not really into it, and she just kind of, like, throws herself onto him, and she's like madly in love with him and she's like oh my god everybody i'm dating him we're dating it's so awesome oh my god i love dating him and he's just like oh so he doesn't have the heart to dump her and they've been together for like two weeks now and he goes to a party again oh boy another party and uh patrick is like okay we're playing truth or dare sam uh i mean not sam uh charlie i dare you to kiss the prettiest girl in the room and instead of kissing his girlfriend, Mary Elizabeth, he kisses Sam, because she is. Or at least he thinks so anyway. And Mary Elizabeth gets really mad, and Patrick pulls him outside. And he's like, they had some beef back in freshman year over this, like, gross old guy that did the same thing. So, like, you're gonna have to stay away from him for a while. So, uh, Charlie is really bummed now, because he has no friends. He just got kicked out of his friend group. He starts writing to his friend more. And I feel like Charlie writing to his friend in this movie is, like, representative of, like, you know, the want to kill himself. Because, you know, his friend Michael did it, and if he is writing to Michael, it's kind of like a, Hey, buddy, <laughs> see you soon. But, um, yeah, so, uh, he gets kicked out, and then he finds out that Brad and Patrick got caught by Brad's dad. And Brad's dad beats the absolute shit out of Brad. And Patrick runs off, and Brad won't talk to Patrick anymore, even though they were, like, gay and in love, I guess, or in the closet. And Brad finally comes back to school after, you know, his beating. It's been, like, a week. And Patrick, uh, like, is walking by him, and Brad calls him a faggot. Which, I'm allowed to say that. I'm gay. I have the gay pass. I can say the fag word. <laughs> but, uh... 
yeah, so he, he calls him uh, a fag, and Patrick gets really mad and he punches him. And Charlie's just watching, because, you know, he's a wallflower, that's what he does. And, um... Yeah, so he beats... Charlie gets up, and Patrick is getting beat up pretty bad. So he steps in, helps Patrick, and just goes black and beats the absolute shit out of all of Brad and his friends. And uh, he gets called down to the office and he gets a detention, but he gets all of his friends back because they're so honored that he would do that for Patrick. So him and Patrick start hanging out more, and Patrick tries kissing Charlie, and Charlie just takes it because it's what he does this whole movie, he just takes it from everybody. And then Patrick is like, I'm sorry, I'm not into you, it's okay, whatever. And Charlie's just like, okay. And, you know, they move on from that, I guess. And, um, this is just, like, this whole movie is just this poor kid being the pushover therapist friend, I guess. And after that, there's just more filler, more Rocky Horror, more parties. And then graduation happens. And, uh, graduation rolls around, and he goes to another party with, uh, Sam and Patrick and all of them. And Sam takes him into her room, and she's like, you know, Charlie, you've always been so nice to me. You know, I finally love you now that I've been leading you on for a year. And I want your first kiss to be with someone special. So they start making out. He's having the time of his life. And then she touches his thigh, and he starts having a PTSD-like meltdown. And, uh... He has to leave, and he goes home. And he gets in the door, and he goes into his room, and he starts to write at his typewriter, and then he just starts crying, and he, like, covers his mouth, because he realizes that the only reason he had a meltdown was because his Aunt Helen touched him the same way when they used to watch cartoons on Saturday, and he just repressed it. So, uh, when he went to go... I don't know why it didn't show up with Mary Elizabeth, maybe it's because he didn't love her, but with Sam, he, like, realized that, like, his Aunt Helen was, like, molesting him, and he tries killing himself, and I think he eats a bunch of pills, but I'm not sure, and he goes into, like, this trance, and he's just, like, sitting, like, butt-ass naked in the living room watching a blank TV, and his dad finds him, and they send him to the hospital, he, like, goes to the psych ward, and he stays there for two months, and Sam and Patrick graduate high school, and he sends them off, they leave, and he writes his final letter of the, uh, of the movie, story, book, I don't know. But, uh, it's not because he's, like, sad and gonna kill himself, he just writes this letter because it's, you know, the end. So, I'm gonna read you the letter, because this episode is kind of short. I guess I could just talk about, like, um, the, uh, I, I don't know, like, the party scenes more, but uh, it's literally just a party. There's there's nothing else to it. It's the same thing every single time. But, um, yeah. I mean, at the party, he does start trauma dumping at the very first party, the one where he eats the pop brownie, and he talks about Michael in front of everybody, and that's when Sam and Patrick kind of adopt him as a friend. But anyway, I found, I found the letter, so I don't have to use filler bullshit anymore. So, the final letter that he writes is, uh, uh, hold on. It says, I don't know if I will have the time to write any more letters because I might be too busy trying to participate. So if this does end up being the last letter, I just want you to know that I was in a bad place before I started high school and you helped me. Even if you didn't know what I was talking about or know somebody who's gone through it, you made me feel not alone. Because I know 
there are people who will say all these things didn't happen, and there are people who forget what it's like to be 16 when they turn 17, and no, these will all be stories someday, and our pictures will become old photographs and we'll all become somebody's mom or dad, but right now, these moments are not stories. This is happening, I am here and I'm looking at her and she is so beautiful, I can see it. This is one moment when you know you're not a sad story, you are alive. And you stand up and you see the lights on buildings and everything that makes you wonder when you were listening to that song on that drive with the people you love the most in this world and in this moment I swear we are infinite and that's the last letter that Charlie writes in the in the book and as I said you know this episode is a bummer so you know bummer episode everybody boohoo wah wah uh, I really wanted to put um, the mixtape from the book with uh, U2 and the Smiths and the Smashing Pumpkins in it but uh, I couldn't because nobody made a full playlist of it. Uh, so we're just going to have to settle with the first half of Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness. Uh, that's what's playing in the background right now, if you're hearing this. But, um, yeah, that was my summary of this movie. So now we're going to talk about the, uh, the message, or my thoughts, actually. Then we'll talk about the message. My thoughts on this movie are that it's a bummer. <laughs> I, I watched this movie for the first time because it was on Netflix, and I'd never seen it before, and Netflix was taking it off in a day, so I was like, well, I have to see it. And I watched it as, like, a 15-year-old, so Charlie's age, and I was just, like, so shocked, because, um, fun fact about me, since nobody's gonna listen to this episode, I'll just go out and say it, I've been to the psych ward twice, and I just, I don't know, watching this movie, it's just kind of crazy, you know, like, seeing this kid with, like, all the same interests as you and like the same problems as you just like going through it you know and it's like what I said in the Ferris Bueller's Day Off podcast like this kid is like me but these kids never really get a good ending in these stories like I guess Charlie kind of got a good ending but he wound up hospitalized you know I just think um I don't know I don't I don't really know what to say about this movie it's just kind of like I feel like the movie really ruined it, because I read the book, and that shit broke me. Like, <laughs> I was reading the book, and I literally had to leave school early, because it was such a downer. They really they really go into detail in the book, but, uh, I don't know, it's just the movie kind of, like, dumbs it down and makes it like, oh, it's 2010, and, and everybody loves uh, Coldplay and Imagine Dragons, and it's so quirky, haha, <laughs> hipster core, haha, <laughs> I, I have a mustache tattooed on my finger, and I wear glasses and flannels, like, I just feel like... The movie just got Hollywooded, and they just kind of ruined it. Like, it's still really sad in the movie, but, like... I just feel like they romanticize it a little bit too much, and they romanticize the depression and the suicide and being a pushover and all that. So, my thoughts on the movie are that it's kind of, uh... Not good. Because when I was scrolling through YouTube trying to find a summary for this movie, because I haven't watched it in a while, I, um... I saw all these videos from, like, these chicks, and they were all, like, dated back to, like, I don't know, like, 2015, 2016, when this movie got kind of popular, and they were all just, like, a very similar target demographic, I'd say, and they watched this movie, and they just don't understand, it just goes right over their heads, like, what, what it was trying to say. But now I'm talking too much about the influence, so we'll just, we'll go into the, uh, the message of the movie. I think this movie... Since it's called Perks of Being a Wallflower, and it's about this kid who's a wallflower, which by definition in this movie is someone who just watches from the outside, you know, like a people watcher, someone who doesn't participate and just stays quiet. I think this movie is about coming out of your shell and not being a pushover, even though he's still a pushover by the end of it, 
I think this movie is about breaking the cycle of abuse too. Because just because other people hurt you doesn't mean you have to hurt other people as well. Which, like, Aunt Helen, they talk about it in the book and the movie that she was molested as a little kid. So that's why she molested Charlie. But that doesn't, that's not an excuse. That doesn't make it any better. So I just, um, I don't, I don't know. I just, I think the message of this movie is that, like, it's not the end of the world, no matter what it is. And it's just time to, like, you know, I don't, I don't even, it's such a complicated movie, I really, there's so many things going on, I feel like, and I, I decided to talk about this movie, because one, I wrote about it in my SRI, and I've run it out of movies to talk about, and two, um, Sam and Patrick, you know, on that theme of, oh, we're graduating high school, you know, they're graduating high school, so it's another high school movie, yippee, but like, I, um, I don't know, I just, it's a pretty heavy movie, guys, there's not really, there's <laughs> not really much to say about it, this is kind of a bummer, you know, it's kind of bumming me out, but, uh, yeah, we'll just we'll talk about the influence and then we'll cap it here because I'm getting kind of sick of talking about it. So, um, yeah, the influence, as I was saying, I think a lot of people watch this movie and they romanticize it because they're just like, oh my god, the Smiths, oh my god, so quirky and different. And I don't think people really watch this movie and like understand it. I think they watch it and they romanticize it because I remember the first time I watched it. I heard all the music that I listened to, and I saw this kid going through it, and I didn't romanticize it, but I was like, oh wow, holy shit, I get this. So, I just, I think the influence that the movie had was a lot worse than the book, to be honest, but in my SRI, I talked about, I compared Perks of Being a Wallflower to uh, 13 Reasons Why, because in Perks of Being a Wallflower, this kid is writing letters to his dead friend, and he's dealing with his trauma, like, healthily. And he still ends up almost killing himself at the end, but it's just, like, he figures out how to deal with it, and it's not as, like... The movie definitely romanticizes it more than the book, but the book, as as most people say, the book is usually better than the movie, and it is. But when I talked about 13 Reasons Why and I compared it, 13 Reasons Why is a Netflix drama. That's all it is. It's a drama made by a big corporation that wanted more money. So they took this really heavy, sensitive topic, and they just ruined it. Because they were like, oh my god, cassette tape, so quirky, so perks of being a wallflower, so cassette tape. Hannah Baker, uh, she's, she's really sad, and she made cassette tapes for all the, the people who wronged her. And I just feel like, it's, it's not a joke, but it's just like a really shitty, evil dramatization of suicide and I really just can't can't stand it like I, I'm, I'm not trying to go on a rant here but I just think it's disgusting when people do that and that's all I have to say about 13 reasons why because if I get too into it I'll get really pissed but I just think that the way we show things in movies needs to be like not censored it just we have to be careful with the way we do things because if we glamorize it too much like I was saying in Archie's final project like my final project was supposed to be a movie, so when I watch a movie about a kid who's trying to make a movie for his final project and then he tries killing himself, it's like, oh, well, maybe I should do that, you know? Like, I just think, like, movies need to be careful, and I think it's good that this movie and, um, Archie's final project have a good ending, because it's like, oh, okay, whatever, guess I won't then. But I just... 13 Reasons Why, literally the last scene, because I watched it when it first came out back when I was, like, what, in, like... I don't know when did it come out, 6th grade? But I, I just... 
the last scene, I think, is her sitting in a bathtub with her wrist slit, and it's just like, you can't... You can't end it at that. And then they have a second season. Like, how are you gonna milk a second season out of this? She died once. What are you gonna do? You already played all the tapes. Everybody that wronged her has been... Whatever. I, I just... I don't, I don't know. I'm not gonna get into it, but... That's, that's the perks of being a Wallflower podcast. This is my little rant. This is, you know, the bummer episode. So, uh... Welcome to the more serious episodes again, guys. You know, the Super Bad episode was funny. The Spider-Man episode was nostalgic. The Ferris Bueller's Day Off episode was kind of trailing into this. And now we've hit rock bottom. So, we're going to stay at rock bottom for one more podcast and then we're moving back up. Because I can't leave myself in this kind of state of mind for too long. So, I'll end it here and we'll go to the next one. Because I have to film all of these back to back. So, I'll see you in Archie's final project, everybody.